Welcome to the Digital Broker Podcast with me, Ryan Deeds, where we help agents and brokers drive profitability through operational excellence. Hey, this is Ryan Deeds with the Digital Broker, and thank you for joining me today. We're a podcast dedicated to insurance operations, employee engagement, technological adoption, and just trying to make your agency better for carriers, employees, and all the partners that you have. Big shout out to Indio. If you guys don't know Indio, you should check them out, www.useindio.com. They're a great tool that can help you collect data from your uh, clients. They make you look cool. They're a differentiator without you having to raise your hand and say, I'm different. If you don't know them, you should check them out. Today, I'm excited. I'm, I'm stoked. I've got a buddy on from uh, back in the day. We met at a conference. Another big shout out to conferences. It's Heather Smurl from High Point Insurance. And this is a group that I've watched for four or five years just really uh, get what I feel is culture right. You know, when we're having such a hard time attracting employees, it seems like they just got it right. And so I thought, man, let, let's, it's the new year. Let's get Heather on here. Let's see if she can give our agency some pointers and some tips. Heather, what's up, man? Hey, how are you, Ryan? I'm good. I'm good on this on this weekday afternoon. So tell me a little bit about High Point. Uh, you know, uh, listeners, the reason I wanted to have Heather come on is um, I just, the things that they have done from the very beginning with their employees, when I was hearing about the stuff that they were doing, it was awesome. And I've been after her to come on the podcast almost since I started it. And it's finally happened. Well, I'm glad to be here. Thanks for having us. Um, so we started High Point just about 11 years ago, and we were very intentional that if we were going to do insurance um, anymore, we were going to have fun doing it. Um, we had been in the you know proverbial stuffy insurance shop, and we just wanted to be different. So we were wearing blue jeans when blue jeans was not cool in our business and um, acting silly when silly was not a thing in our business. And uh, we just kind of decided that we were going to be different and be okay with that. And if people didn't like that, then they probably, you know, weren't the right fit for us. So we started that way from the beginning and we've just kept it up and gotten a little more kooky as we've gone. Not kooky, just uh, more fun, more intense and fun. Absolutely. I mean, and I think from the stuff that I'm seeing you guys do today, it looks like you're continuing to, to, to push that envelope, you know, can you talk about in the beginning? So, so, so many times agencies get started because I'm a producer. I got a book of business. It's scaled beyond what I can manage on my own. I'm going to bring in an employee over time. I get scope creep and now I own a business, right? I mean, that's kind of how I see it happen a lot. You guys approached it much differently. It sounds like, it sounds like you guys knew that you could have some success in the insurance world or had had success in the insurance world. And then, I mean, did you have conversations about the culture when you were at the very beginning of it? I mean, did you have conversations about the kind of business did you define it, I guess, as culture then, or was it more like, we just, we want to have, we want to have a business that makes some money and has fun. So I don't think we defined it as culture back then. I probably didn't even know what culture meant. Um, but not to go way back into our past, but, um, we split off from another agency where we just felt like there was a constant rub between, you know, what really mattered. Was it the employees that mattered 
Was it the clients that mattered or was it the dollar that mattered? And so it was all about, you know, leveraging to sell. And it just wasn't what we wanted. We were so young at the time. That was just not even a, a thought for us was to, you know, sell the agency and join in a big group and uh, be a part of that. But all the things that we learned about what we didn't want, we became very intentional about creating an environment that um, was completely different because we had experienced the not so fun things. That's key. I mean, you know, I've, I've gotten inspired by people that I don't want to be like, and that I do want to be like, and each are right. equally impactful, right? Right, right. And we learned a lot. I mean, we had a great successful business um, before, very young, starting out, very similar story, all a bunch of, you know, not a bunch, but a few salespeople that came together and started a business, didn't really know what we were doing, didn't know you weren't supposed to do that, you know, at our age. Um, but what really um, was the, the difference is we wanted to treat our staff um, the way we would have wanted to be treated as an employee. And so we became very intentional in our hearts. Brandon and I both have big hearts when it comes to um, the way that we treat people um, and especially the way that we treat our employees. And so starting off with that mindset, um, helped us to build a culture of people that had a similar um, outlook on life um, and wanted to pour more into people than they, you know, it was more of what's in it for the team rather than what's in it for me. Um, and along the years, we've had, you know, plenty of people come in and out of the agency that if their mindset is what's in it for me, they're just not the right fit for our agency. They might be the right fit for some business and a lot of agencies, that's, that's how they're set up, but it's just not how we're wired. And so it, those kind of, you know, mindsets don't really work in our environment. And I mean, so were there, were there early indicators that you would use? I mean, cause early on, right. When you think about back 10 years ago, what were the, when you were first hiring after you, cause obviously you probably had like a, couple startup employees, right? That when you, when you first started, is well, that we right? Started at my point, there was 10 of us that left another agency. We had an agency we had ran for about eight years, literally had built, built from scratch. And so there, um, there was a group of us that left together like-minded. And so now as you look at that, you know, cause that kind of set the foundation right before the podcast, you were, you know, when we were pre-talking, you were kind of saying, you know, how now, this thing that you started that you we didn't even know the word culture back then has now become kind of a foundational selling point and walk me through that a little bit i mean today that seems that, that that's a that's a very bold statement you know my culture helps sell business um is that because typically agencies you think coverage are going to be your coverage knowledge is going to be equitable, your markets are going to be equitable. And then the thing that's going to drive the differentiation is the connection that you can create with that client. Help me understand. That. I think the key in anything is meeting the buyer where the buyer's at. And the buyer's need today is to understand how to build a good culture. And when we can model that for our clients, they want action. They want access to that. And so we have been able to um, build a culture that is very palpable. When you walk into the doors of High Point, you can feel the energy. And I don't mean that arrogantly, but you literally can feel the energy. 
And um, we take it out on the streets when we go see clients as well. And so they see that and they want that because, you know, success breeds success. And when we are, um, when we have that energy, the clients or the prospects that we work with see it, want it, and um, engage in us that way. But starting off with, you know, culture, as far as getting comfortable being uncomfortable was, was a big thing for us in the beginning, right? So I grew up in this industry. No, I'm not an insurance brat. I started just very young and uh, loved it because it was the one industry that I found you could never learn everything. And it's a constant challenge for growth and, and um, you just can't ever know it all. Um, and so being so eager to learn, I wanted to join, I wanted to do it at a very young age. But what I found was it was a very stuffy industry. You know, it was still like there was this image that uh, insurance agents had to present themselves as so professional and so stuffy in a sense. And uh-huh. yes, uh, there was a major generational gap at that point in time. Um, and so I, I've, you know, followed suit in that stuffiness and then was like, this is just not who I am. And the opportunity to embrace you know, who I was and be transparent in that and authentic in that, I think has driven a lot of, um, you know, like-minded people into our organization that are just tired of the stuffy insurance world. You know? Well, and I think it's opening up some, I mean, you know, you've got so many cool groups out there now and you've got so much stuff. I mean, like back in the day, man, I just think about even the podcast, like there was no podcasts on insurance and now there's like, 50 podcasts on insurance. And so, you know, there, uh, there's more people trying to help each other. And I think that happened because the smaller brokers understand now that, you know, to, to, that we really are one entity and then there's larger brokers and sometimes we got to stick together. We may have competition, but it's so much less competitive from a knowledge share perspective than it has been ever in the past. I mean, do you, do you think that as well? I, I do. I think those that, that give knowledge, get knowledge. Um, I mean, Ryan, you're a perfect example. You know, that's how we met was at a conference. We were seeking out help desperately on our, you know, IT side of it. We were drowning um, because we had not built, you know, an infrastructure to scale the growth that we'd had. And I remember you and your your friends. Um, I mean, we were seeking out the the smart people at the Vertifor conference, you know, and uh, you guys were willing to just pour into us um, and give us everything we could have ever um, imagined health-wise, asking for nothing in return. I mean, literally nothing in return. And I think that that when people do that, yes, they get more. And I just I wish more people in, in the world would do that. But, you know, you give in the world or you get back in the world what you give out to it. Um, and I think that, yeah, there's a lot more knowledge base now because people are willing to do that because they are seeing what they receive. Um, right. And I think, it, like you said, I mean, we're having to understand that we can't know ever. I mean, when, as I learn any one topic, what I recognize is how little I'll ever know about that topic. Yes. You know, it, it, it's like you get deeper and deeper and you're like, damn, this is about as far as I ever need to go in this topic. What I need to do is call Heather and she's going to pick it up from here. She's going to cover that gap in knowledge for me. And oh, we're going to call Ryan because we have no clue when it comes to anything that has that, that <laughs> there technology you go. on it or whatever. Um, so do you, yeah. guys have, do you guys have defined 
culture stuff? I mean, you have like mottos on the walls and when no. you walk in, do you have a mission statement? And I mean, how do you, you know, when we think about culture, culture is just like intangible thing that you feel, like you said, you have this energy that goes into the office. You know, what are, what are tactical ways that you have done to promote that, that maybe an agency that, that wants to start, you know, maybe they are the stodgy, that's how they've always been. And now they're having a hell of a time keeping employer employees because they've got an agency down the street that's having some fun and the employees are staying with them for two years and then bouncing out. Well, you got tips, you got something that they can, that can help them identify either where they're at and how they move forward from that things they can do for, for their agencies? Yes. In the beginning, I think the real transformation for us was defining a united cause, a united purpose, and all circling around that. Um, whether, you know, in the beginning for us, what really was a shift in our culture, because yes, we were intentional about how we treated people, but the shift in our ability to grow, um, have accountability and really get people on board with what we were doing was to look at it from an all in perspective. Um, one united goal that everybody contributed to, um, because everybody wants to be a part of something. And so, yes, we have mantras, we have statements, it's developed, it's evolved. There's been things, we, our book with, of, of things we had was so big, it's hard to onboard somebody because it's like, here's the, you know, our whole entire vernacular at High Point, it's its whole, whole little language. Um, but I think it started with creating unity along a common goal, whatever that goal was. For us, it was a revenue goal. Um, but it was a revenue goal that there was, hey, if we get this goal, everybody in our company is going to get rewarded, not just the people at the top or not just the producers. And so this was probably eight, nine years ago, our first big push towards a goal um, was if we hit this revenue goal, everybody in our company will get a fully paid vacation and uh, a week off to take it. And we blew through the goal. It was actually pretty mind blowing how fast we blew through the goal. But it was because we looked at every single person and said, yes, receptionist gets it. Yes, president gets it. Right, yes. right, absolutely. Quality and, and the treatment. Right, it was yeah, fair across the board. And, and there was no, well, you get a bigger trip or you, it was the same, you know, options for everybody, same budget for everybody. And that was like such a great momentum because it also allowed me to see that people aren't motivated necessarily by the dollar. They're motivated by um, you appreciating what they do and then attaching memories to, um, to their successes you know so like the trip so it'd be no different than if i gave everybody a profit sharing bonus but the trip was tangible and it gave them a memory and it gave them longevity and i got so much more out of those dollars than i would have ever gotten out of you know putting a bonus on the end of their check at the end of the oh, year oh no i love it i mean i think it's a great idea because then when i think back to the pictures that i had you know ultimately my mind's going to trickle back to the high point being the enabler the fact that i was uh, part of the success of that and i drove that for myself i mean 
no, I think it's brilliant to, to tie that emotional experience. I mean, that's what we talk about, right? Now you hear this employee experience word that's, that's thrown around just like customer experience. And I think that that is a very good example of how one crafts a customized employee experience that seemed to make a, a significant difference. Yeah, so that was a good start. And I think I I realized that even way before the trip that, you know, in our old company, we used to pay these big bonuses out every year. And then it was never really um, calculated in people's salaries. They just didn't see it. And I got more um, thank you and appreciation buying, you know, a pair of a uh, shoes for everybody or buying a sweater for everybody. And I'm like, you know, that cost me $50 and this cost me $5,000. And yet the $50 thing meant more because any business owner, I mean, that's successful can write a check for anything just about, you know, but when I put intentionality to it and there's something tangible to it, I think it, it builds a lot more traction. So we've just, we've continued to build off of that. Um, as we continue to grow and as we grow, it gets, some things get harder to do. You know, we booked, uh, 35 trips last year. Um, and we didn't have a travel agent that was worth a crap. So we had to do it ourselves, which was, um, you know, I was up like right before, um, or right after the new year, booking all these trips for all of our employees. Um, That's awesome. I love that. I mean, because it really does, it, it talks about the, the, they know the commitment is there. They, I, I just, it's hard. It, it would be hard for somebody who, who had bought in and carrying the flag towards that goal to, to not understand they have a champion there. And so, you know, right. I, I dig that. I think you're right. I think as you scale, you know, if, if you're at, 30, if you're at 50 employees, you know, how that looks at 500. But I, I think that you'd, like you said, it's the intentionality of it, right? It's right. creating that emotional response to, to, to the leaders of the organization being cognizant enough to say, we're trying and this is what we've done. And, and maybe one year, uh, the cup doesn't go over and the next year a sweater does go over, you know, right. but it, but they know you're trying. And I, and I think that employees, really really respect that especially if you're walking the walk if you're doing the thing right mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. How, how do you so do you guys have typical producers at high point like you've got producers that are salary i mean that are commission based go out and sell business yes and then you have service staff that services the business yeah Yes. Do you have, so, so a lot of agencies have that class differentiation between a producer and a service servicer. And it's something that I try to fight against a lot just because I, I believe that the future is account manager centric, right? That's something that I just feel inherently as sales solutions scale more effectively, we're going to need, uh, account managers are going to take a more important role in an organization than they are today. Do you guys have that problem with, with the, the producer and the account manager? I suspect that you've solved for that, but how did you do that? And, and, and how do you maintain that? You get rid of producers that don't, that don't follow through. What's your strategy on that? Um, all of the above. Yes. We have gotten rid of producers that don't um, treat the account manager as an equal. Don't get me wrong. We have a very intentional sales mindset and we do believe, you know, nothing happens till someone sells something. But we also look at it's the account manager's job to help the producer stay in that sales role. And it's the producer's job to um, 
make sure that they stay in that sales role and get out of the way for the account manager to do the job on it, you know, after the account is written. Right. Retain, do, do all the other things, right. Retain it and all that. Now, are your guys processes pretty standardized or do producers run their own teams? Do you guys do a top down? I mean, cause again, when we talk about culture as a component, there are so many different pieces of it. And it sounds like from the incentivization, from the buy-in perspective, from, from thinking about ways to get the employees jazzed, you have that knocked out. And then from the process perspective, do you have, a, is there a cultural component to that as you look at processes that might not work effectively? Is there outlets for, for the employees? How do you, how do you deal with that stuff? So, um, it's an evolution and it's a constant changing evolution. So we've grown from, you know, the 10 that we started with to almost 50 employees now and um, still growing very, very fast. Um, and even the type of accounts that we handle is completely different from what it was 10 years ago. So I think the biggest thing has been getting staff comfortable with constant change. It's like you said from the very beginning, right? I mean, you said that at the very beginning is being comfortable with being uncomfortable. That's That seems like a core tenant of your guys' culture. So funny thing, um, this, uh, I'm showing you my tattoo through our video here. Um, our first core value is actually pursue discomfort. Okay. And I have it tattooed on me. Um, and so does Brandon. Um, because, you know, I, I used to always say, get comfortable being uncomfortable. And then I heard this pursue discomfort and literally it's leaning into the, the discomfort is where the growth is. Absolutely. <laughs> Do you guys have a pretty stringent hiring pro? I mean, today, as you look at how you, is it hard for you to get employees? I guess is the first question. No, it is not hard for us to get employees. They're kind of lining up at the door right now, which has been, a total shift from where we started in the beginning. Um, but we've got such a great group of people. We are so intentional about who we hire that they fit our culture. I don't care if they've got 30 years of experience or one year of experience. If they've got the right culture fit, that's the first and really the only thing that matters. Um, everything else is, is teachable um and can be you know accomplished over time but we are very intentional about who we hire um we have a pretty stringent interviewing process and uh we haven't made too many mistakes lately <laughs> knock on wood um and do you think the culture is why i mean you say you got folks lining up at the door so many agencies today are having such a hard time attracting talent you know, do you feel like the the outreach that you've done, the the I mean, is that what's getting folks in? Yes, it's one hundred percent the culture. So when we talk about like meeting the buyer where the buyer's at, it's also meeting you know people where people are at. And years back, you know, when uh, social media just kind of starting to take its its uh, legs, um, and we were one of the first insurance agencies to really get a digital marketing strategy into place. And we did some really silly things. Like I'm kind of embarrassed to see some of the videos we used to put out. Um, but 
we started to get real intentional about using Facebook as a place to expose our culture and expose uh, who we were on the inside of High Point. And I'm not kidding you, probably every one of our best hires and almost all of our hires has come from Facebook. Literally, we post on Facebook and we'll have more resumes than we can sort through in, you know, um, a day. Um, and we use recruiters and we use LinkedIn and we used, uh, we use other avenues, but, um, I think that they've seen that. And now people have seen our culture and they've seen the consistency in our culture that it's not like a post here and there or a little bit, it's very consistent. Um, they literally say, I want to work here because I want to be a part of this culture. I want to be a part of what High Point has. I want to um, be in an environment that is so positive and so uplifting um, and have fun, you know, and we're the first to say that we have a lot of fun, but we work really hard. I mean, we don't, you know, it's, it's a work hard, play hard environment and everybody's expected to work at that kind of pace and that kind of level all the time. So agencies, I think you got to listen to that. I mean, I think that's an interesting thing. All of us today are struggling with getting employees, you know, finding clients, uh, doing all the other stuff. But mm -hmm. culture is kind of an engine that you create over time that pays off in spades. And High Point seems like they've got that knocked out. Heather, if they want to contact you, if they want to get a hold of you, if they want to hear, you know, maybe pick your brain a little bit, how would they do that? So you can find me on LinkedIn, um, Heather Smurl. S-M-Y-R-L. Um, and then you can also go to our Facebook site, which is uh, High Point Insurance and our Instagram, because we are on most social channels. Uh, we have a TikTok channel if you really want to get fun. Um, uh, what, what's your TikTok username? I, I, want, I want to know it. I think it's H-P-I-G-R-P. So High Point yeah. Insurance. HPIGRP. All right, I'm going to check it out. I'm going to be I'm going to be a follower on your TikTok for sure. So we yeah, so my son is actually a TikTok uh, you know, he's got a ton of followers. <laughs> and so we're like maybe we need to figure out how he's doing this. So TikTok famous, that's what they call it, right? TikTok he famous. He is definitely TikTok famous. So uh, we decided we we'd give it a go. Why not? But you know, that's the thing is like TikTok may not be for businesses right now, but it might very well be in three or four years. I mean, if it's really the only organic social, you know, media engine left that and LinkedIn. Why yeah, there's not? a lot of big, there's a lot of big ass companies advertising on TikTok. I mean, I'm on TikTok way too damn much. I'll tell you it's that. So I, fun. Oh like, my God. It's, it's, so it's scary and dangerous and fun. You can just totally get lost in there. Oh man. I die of 9:30 at night. I'm like, I should be asleep. 1230 at night, I should be asleep. Oh God, you know. I know, it is It is definitely addicting. Um, but you know what? We'll probably find our next great employee off of TikTok. Who knows? Well, I <laughs> hope so, buddy. Well, hey, thank you so much for coming on. Listeners, if you want to get a hold of her, hit Heather Smurl up on LinkedIn, High Point on Facebook, and probably High Point in Google, and you'll see her. She's awesome people to know and uh, somebody good to have in your Rolodex. Thanks for listening. I'm Ryan with The Digital Broker. If you don't know NDO, check them out, www.useindio. Talk to you next week. This podcast is brought to you by NDO Technologies. NDO simplifies the insurance application process for brokers and their clients. 
When using Indio, the process is fast, easy, and ENO free, saving your agency time and money. You can learn more about Indio and register for a one on one demo at www.useindio.com slash podcast. That's www.useindio.com slash podcast.